Welcome to Sales and Marketing Fry Talks, where we share insights, best practices and anecdotes from technology companies. Join us live on LinkedIn or subscribe to our podcast. And now to the new episode. Today we uh, continue uh, our conversation with Andrei Burlutsky, who is Head of Marketing at Master of uh, Code Global. So welcome, Andrei. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, listen, you just recently shared on LinkedIn an interesting analogy between uh, uh, Maslow Paramite and the uh, needs of businesses for, for SaaS. Uh, I found it very, very interesting, and that is why we have actually a conversation today. But could you please elaborate a little bit more about your perspective? Sure, sure. Yeah, actually, as a um, uh, hello, everyone. Good morning, once again, and welcome to the Fry Talks. Uh, once again, Andres Roland, thanks for inviting me. Happy to share some thoughts that came to my mind recently. So, as a salesperson um, uh, in the past, and actually doing marketing for different types of technology during the last 15 years, I was started thinking about so why actually some companies are really strive to purchase different types of software. Why companies refuse or really like um, uh, struggle to make um, a decision to switch from one software to another. And I was trying to find the analogy with, the, with us, with humans, like how we behave actually when we make different types of decisions throughout our lives actually. And what I understood that a successful or not successful business is as much an emerging thing, I would say, as, as we as humans, as persons. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as we are going through um, Maslow Pyramide, stage by stage, from satisfying our um, say, uh, physiological needs um, to, the, uh, to the need for self-actualization, but in the context of business itself, namely really business, not like people or owners, but really a business like a, mm -hmm. like a, a, like a, um, environment, I would say, okay, processes, etc. This pyramid can be decomposed according to the types of uh, software serv um, okay, SaaS services that business mm -hmm. is buying. So, quite roughly speaking, why? some companies still being really advanced, for example, in terms of products, services, and actually the culture, still mm -hmm. buying or using Excel or Excel 2000, for example, and why some companies moving to more advanced software like Microsoft or SAP, which are, which are include um, AI technologies, some algorithms of really, really advanced. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was trying to research a little bit. So amazing numbers in a mid-sized company pays for almost 150 SaaS services. And this number actually is growing 30% year, year over year. This number is more in the, for the United States, but this is, doesn't matter. But if, even if in Europe, we have like 100 SaaS services that company is buying um, every year and it is also growing, mm -hmm. we, in mm -hmm. Europe, there is more complex story because we have so-called shadow IT. I hope the audience understand what's that. It's actually when you are without permission of IT department bringing your uh, applications or software on the laptop or 
or your business even on the phone yeah 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 something is replaced by a new one something is built on right and something new is bought to solve new problems that are coming so and this process is similar to how we humans climbs up the maslow pyramid so the idea of my of my post and uh, your invitation for the discussion is if we sell B2B software, SaaS, uh, our task is to understand at what level of the SaaS pyramid we are or mm -hmm. company is. Mm -hmm. What do business buy before buying our software? And so uh, we can get an unexpected insights into where to, uh, where and how to find our new clients or how to grow uh, our existing customer inside as well, upselling, cross-selling, etc. So this is like, this is the story. Yeah, it's, it's a very, a very interesting perspective. And thank you for sharing. And I invite everyone who is together with us now online, uh, maybe using the, the comments part, just share your thoughts and share your ideas. Uh, on the same topic, but uh, let's uh, let's maybe think it from you know this business perspective as a, uh, not as a user probably, but more like as a, as a company who wants mm -hmm. to be part of the uh, kind of uh, let's say uh, tools and 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 applications what uh, what they are using in the enterprise space. Um, I, I think uh, understanding uh, where you are is is a good idea, but the thing is where to start basically. Uh, what would be the practical steps, you know, to take if I'm a uh, SaaS company and I want to kind of sell to enterprises or to mid-sized companies or whatever size of the companies, mm -hmm. how can I understand basically what what is this uh, landscape of, uh, of the SaaS application or any other applications what they have today and uh, how then I fit into the picture? What, what do you think, guys? Well, I think uh, good old uh, Sherlock Holmes works work of uh, of uh, oh, yeah. research. Ideal trying to to interview your customers. Um, just uh, define your ideal customer and try to make try to have interviews. Try to ask them what what are you guys using? Why are you using those things? Right, and that uh, that I guess can provide quite good uh, quite good idea of what you are dealing with, where your customers are today, and it also may happen that as you talk with uh, with let's say several people who represents profile of your ideal customer, you may end up figuring out that you are talking actually with not one segment of people, but maybe two or three. And then you actually need perhaps to narrow down on one specific segment. Yeah, yeah I think, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, go on, Andre. Uh, yeah, just wanted to build on what Roland has said. So the good old customer research uh, using the methodologies from account-based marketing or account-based sales, when you really like explore across all the available to you or unavailable, actually hidden resources to understand who your customer is, because in addition to uh, what they're using, you also need to understand and have the skills to analyze and make conclusion, okay, what is in it then for me, for the salesperson or marketing person when I'm trying to do marketing or sales activities to sell my software? So not just to know that customer yeah. is using Excel. Okay, what does it mean? If we go the next, uh, uh, the next step for the, in the customer um, development of his infrastructure or business processes, if I propose 
another software, how it will be integrated with the Excel, what kind of need it will create, can create for the customer when I'm creating value proposition, and what kind of third-party tools I can use actually to discover all those, uh, all those things. Yeah, I think That's you are good. absolutely right. Yeah, so one, one, one thing to understand is actually what can initiate the need for your uh, software, right? Whether the current uh, tools, what they're using, can actually be a good uh, trigger for that, or or right. you need to substitute it. And actually, yeah, actually, actually Solons, yeah. we, what we what we did yesterday, we, we were preparing with you for today's conversation. But what came to my mind right now is that even if you research what kind of software does your customer has, the most crucial will be for you to be very much technically acumen to understand what is the value of existing customer software and the software you are selling. And out of that, think about it, how it will help customer with to advance his business processes, to make the step forward in his automation, digital transformation, uh, and at the end of the day, to get the ROI from the, from the technology platform. Yeah, generally, you have to have some sense of ecosystem, which which actually is in place at customers, and that Absolutely. that not only compri co comprises, let's say, uh, soft other software assets they are using, it also comprises, let's say, their capabilities, because at the end of the day, uh, your customer must be successful with your software, and if for success it is necessary, let's say, to integrate that software with other with other software. A customer either needs to have uh, these yeah. kind of capabilities to do it themselves, or you have, or you need to have very clear idea how will you help it, preferably in highly automated way. Right. I think what is also very important during this research to understand uh, the use case, to understand uh, basically uh, what what exactly the user in the company or you know the different levels uh, of those uh, kind of let's say users right uh, cannot do without or with existing tools so basically there is definitely some gap in uh, mm -hmm. in existing ecosystem otherwise if there is no gap probably you have very low chances to to be part of it right so and, and understanding the gap uh, and use case uh, of for for your tool for your you know application or, or whatever you offer is very very critical uh, for the success I believe. Right, and uh, frankly speaking, th those uh, those I would say um, business expectations from these business stakeholders from the software they are buying from the technologies are still the same. Save money, earn money, feel good. Uh, from time to time, it's about the time, save time or something like that, that really impacts the company efficiency and productivity. So you Yeah, this is like, you, you, you are right. But on the other hand, these are like a bit too generic terms. You know, what, what does mean for me saving time? I mean, it's a, if I'm a seller, right? And I need to kind of book uh, calls with my customers, right? What, what can I do if I just use like a Gmail or Outlook or whatever on a daily basis? I need to share calendars. I need to spend a lot of time, you know, handling all this stuff, right? And then suddenly there is a small tool which just give me an opportunity to share a link and give opportunity to book a call based on my availability on, or even my team's availability to the yeah. customer. And I save a lot of time 
same time, it's it's also something where customer can easily do on, on their own. Here it is, right? So there are two matching right. things uh, for me, for my customer and so on. And, and that is again, like saving uh, on one hand time, same time, increasing productivity. So, but similarly, you know, there could be many different, like the small scenarios, what you otherwise cannot discover without just going really deep and understanding the routine of the, of the target audience. You're right. And we're coming actually to the conversation of uh, this uh, value proposition uh, uh, yeah. area, I would say. You're right. You need to find uh, small touch points that will change the behavior, as you mentioned, for example, a salesperson who is using CRM, um, the Gmail and other software. So how, how it will help him? And I will answer you. This is, I love my example we're using in company and marketing team. We have CRM system, we have Gmail, and we yeah. have a software that helps me to um, analyze my website and uh, de de detect who from my CRM system accounts has visited my website yeah. links and score for me the leads. And right. this small right. software that makes a scoring, they're really niche. So they make the difference for my salespeople because CRM is connected with Gmail, this software called Leadfeeder, it's not ours, they're just no advertising, just a good tool, Leadfeeder, that helps to analyze both of them and to tell you, hey, Andre, this contact is potentially a very high lead. Please make a sign to your sales person to follow up or marketing to start account-based marketing activities, I would say. Yeah, yeah I think I think such a, such a, like, rather narrow functionality tools probably have the highest monetization potential because you know if you compare the value you get let's say from office 365 right for this small monthly fee and the, and the vast yeah. functionality you can do and then if you consider that you pay approximately the same fee let's say for calendly which does which, which does just one thing allows you to schedule appointments or for other tools i think I think the narrower your tool is and the more specific problem it uh, it actually solves <laughs> the, the more chances is actually to scale it really really well and monetize uh, really really well and i think companies should uh, really try to try to look for gaps in market because but because of course there's there's lots of technologies but always there are those small gaps maybe they yeah. don't uh, don't persist uh, for like forever right but Perhaps for a couple of years or even six months, you can really, really monetize some gap that big guys like, I don't know, Microsoft or Google or others have just left out for, for, for grabs. Just, just for a second, I would like us to remind that we started the whole uh, conversation with analogy of the Maslow's permite, right? And if you recall that the principle is that there are basic needs, then there are some more kind of advanced, and then you are going, right? As, as you explained. And I think uh it's it is also important uh besides the finding those gaps and uh, understanding scenarios to really assess and understand the maturity of your target customers and what level of maturity you basically targeting as you said andre in the beginning like here there are a lot of companies who are do accounting just using excel nothing wrong with that but there are plenty of such so okay if you are targeting them what then you are solving and 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 how do you think they will be moving away from that and why right what would be the motivation 
And similarly, there are some companies who are using like advanced ERP solutions, like I don't know, SAP, Oracle, whatever, Microsoft, whatever solution it could be, right? And then they have completely different maturity level, completely different uh, technology landscape, uh, and, and so on. So then, how how do you solve their issues, if at all, right? I think it's also very very important to understand uh, that perspective. Andre, nothing uh, to add here, a question uh, to you, and I will be happy to also to add my thoughts. It's not only about the customer itself, it's much customer maturity. It's also about people's maturity. They must yes. bear in mind, <laughs> it's about people. It's just the analogy, you know, but in the end of the day, we need to look at people we are working with. So what, for example, we have not only uh, executive stakeholders as a buying personas, right? We also have technical people Absolutely. who then should deploy, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. fix, support, educate. What else? A lot of things. But this is right? exactly exactly what is important to consider when you think of your product and value proposition. That actually you have very different people uh, whom you need to, to or whom you need to address, right? On whom you need right. to answer their concerns and questions, and uh, that is known fact uh, in enterprise space or B two B space. There are at least like five to seven people participating actively participating in the buying process. Right. But uh, if you if you take a wider uh, picture, then it's even more, right? And the end user, including remember us working. Uh, in old times at Microsoft, and we were driving, you know, the transition from old-fashioned uh, Excel, right, to something completely new with a new interface and so on, and how much resistance there were from end users because it was so much painful for them to change yeah. the behavior, daily routine, and so on and so forth. All this should be considered on every level. So basically, end user, then there is IT, and IT then somebody who deploys somebody who maintains somebody who supports all that yeah. so what does mean uh, to implement your small even tool to the ecosystem for them how that will change because in the end the motivation uh, needs to be on the positive side right for this change the same for the any other uh, role in the organization i believe and i agree uh, moreover i was reading um, um, forced research, it's in my area, the research was about the open source conversational yeah. AI platform called Raza. Um, and there was a value why open source, for example, is very um, accepted by technology people on business side is because, for example, Raza itself as a brand new platform, so they like mm -hmm. three or five years in the market, they have so simple APIs and integration options. So they easily come to the technical people say, hey, we're easy to deploy. I will remind you that a few years ago, like five or 10, that's why I'm talking about Maslow Pyramid. Uh, technical people, they were happy to deal with the on-premise software growing as a, as a, um, as a technical experts uh, deploying, learning a lot, like you have to get a big team to, uh, to, you know, to deploy and support, for example, Exchange Server or, I don't know, Oracle that times, right? While we didn't have any cloud, um, uh, cloud applications. 
But right now, so again, their, their request also grew. So they want now simpler software, simple integration options. It shouldn't yeah. be that complicated. Maybe even uh, uh, integration should happen in a graphical mode. Like you click some buttons, you drive a graphic, uh, you have a graphic interface, and that's it. So it's, it also says about the company needs. So what are you coming to your company right now, to your customer, with a complex solution, which will be hard to integrate, then support? Do you, have a, you, do you as a company who is selling or developing a product, has resources on your side to be able to support, to yeah. integrate, to educate your customer after all? So exactly. uh, again, we come back, uh, come back actually to, to to basics that you need to very careful think of uh, who who will be how to say who will be involved in in buying your solution, who will be involved in uh, deploying it, who will be involved in doing legal review, who will be supporting. You need to think very carefully about the value or friction you create for for for, for all of those all of those groups. Right, and that that allows you to really, really kind of conf configure or understand how your uh, how your offering should be set up, so that you can actually sell it, so that you can actually scale it. Because one of one of issues uh, you may run up in one way or another is 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 actually implementation or support. Because if if your solution requires too much support or 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 too much customization or too much effort on implementation, unless you grow. I don't know, 10,000 engineer group to, let's say, uh, support all this, you will not be able to scale. But generally, right. in, in, in today's world of SaaS, you want to create scalable things that you can at very low cost uh, hand out to another customer, issue automated uh, automated invoice every month, and, uh, <laughs> and generate huge market share. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, there are some those scenarios where probably this is not a big uh, big issue. And again, uh, it very much depends uh, on where the customer in terms of their maturity and in terms of their needs is, right? And if they have very um, clear need to change something, probably all these questions what we are now discussing will be uh, somehow not really not important, but probably they will be open to solving it, right? And I think uh, the, the opposite or more difficult situation when you want to enter and substitute something with your new mm -hmm. uh, application. And uh, yes. then in this case, uh, it's much more difficult uh, actually target, and I, I believe. And that all these th things what we discussed or like in terms of preparation of your value proposition of the, you know, your uh, objective handling, you know, argumentation, and, and resources and everything, how can you enable even the organization to start using your, your product is much more uh, important. Andre, it's great that you've mentioned it because what I'm thinking about right now is that this is actually the field for, uh, for disruption for those product companies that yes. have invented something not very much like, like disrupting the entire understanding of the world and the universe, but really some innovative top-notch product and this is the when you can come to the company who is already for example ready to take something extremely um, technical extremely mm -hmm. new to you know to um to turn uh, 180 degrees 
their like business processes, etc. So this is not, uh, there, there is a place. Everyone for wants for you know such customers or going after that. And if you look to the landscape of SaaS vendors nowadays, yeah. right? This is like enormous number, right? And the enormous. question is how you can be better than any of, of those thousands or even you know hundreds of thousands other vendors. And I think this, uh, what we started with, like your value proposition, positioning and everything, it uh, becomes so critical for your success uh, as never before. And similarly, I think uh, what we, we, we also see that many uh, companies underestimate is uh, the effort and investment uh, level what you need to have behind your your kind of product to actually go through all this noise uh, and especially if you are targeting like markets like us or uk or or any other uh, like big markets and we have seen uh, very many cases where uh, people invest into the creating the product itself and product itself really great, but simply they, they don't have capacity uh, to make it uh, visible, to make it uh, mm -hmm. discoverable to their potential customers. And then they are thinking, oh, I'm, I'm investing like 500 euro to my LinkedIn campaign and I have no leads. Right? And, but this is a reality. And sometimes yes. I think that this is something where people just underestimate how much marketing effort uh, is needed, as you described, like including technologies, what you need to acquire, processes you need to build, and just simply campaigns running. That's yeah, why we will not we... be able to avoid the classical uh, customer journey to educate your customer, to nurture yes. it in the right way, right through, through the content, through the examples, through the um, uh, use cases or business cases, whatever disruptive uh, technology you have. The more disruptive it is, the less clear and understandable for the business how to how to apply it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually, I would, I would say that um, many companies, well, we see it in our practice that many companies actually don't understand real economics of SaaS business. And just to just to give one, 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 uh, one data point, actually research shows that software as a service companies, on average, they spend from 10 to 12 months of, uh, of average monthly revenue mm -hmm. until they recover cost of acquiring a customer. So that means sales and marketing costs. So, um, and again, as Andres, as Andres mentioned, the uh, 500 euro campaign on LinkedIn is not uh, nowhere near sufficient to really generate usually, and on average, even a one paying, uh, paying customer. So companies must plan investment accordingly, and also, and uh, and also also consider this typical time back period. And although companies indeed can make tons of money in software as a service, economics is quite uh, quite investment intensive. So you cannot just you know hope hope that uh, you will spend five hundred euros on LinkedIn and customers will line up for your solution. It doesn't happen that way. And, uh... Yeah, and I think uh, now when, uh, as we mentioned already, there are so many areas which are already covered. There are so many, you know, SaaS companies just repeating each other, like with some flavors and so on. It's it's uh, becoming even more and more difficult to reach the certain like scalability and certain like uh, uh, level of uh, customer um, acquisition numbers so that uh, would pay off your, your investment. So therefore, you know, really, uh thinking 
and building your very, very focused and uh, targeted approach is becoming uh, more critical. But uh, guys, as time, time is running up, I think uh, we had just a very good uh, kind of uh, conversation. We have a couple of questions and I think there is one interesting uh, from Netco, he's asking about uh, what it be what would be possible to share some examples. What would disrupt your own companies? Do you have any any opinions on that? Any uh, anything you would reply? Well, yeah, actually, yes. Mm. And this is a recent announcement by Mark Zuckerberg about the yeah. meta and metaverse. This is totally a new vision platforms and well way of designing and developing software to fulfill those metaverse that mark is going to introduce to the to the world and this can really disrupt my company i mean not disrupt me uh, it can change uh, it will um, require from me fully to change maybe even technology stack or the way my UX people thinking in designing software yeah. and interfaces? Yeah, this is great question. Very good question. Well, uh, let <laughs> let me give my two cents about about disruption. I think, and that relates both to our own company, but that relates also to increasing to, to many many companies. Most of companies outside is that because we are increasingly using software as a service. All kind of businesses and, and, and software and services we become reliant on them right yeah. three weeks ago facebook went down for what something like four six weeks we know there have been downtime for uh, aws probably for azure probably for google cloud and and the risk is th just that we become oh, so much reliant on performing some of important tasks on some software as a service companies which in turn are reliant on hyperscalers and, and other other uh, software as a service that there is increasingly increasing systemic risk if something one small component goes down all the pyramid turns out to be house of cards so i'm personally i think i'm quite aware and and then how how eyes opened and 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 then try to try to manage risks that this thing will sometimes happen and we have seen that andres with some some small tools some marketing technologies that we need suddenly to drop everything and engage support to get a fixed released or else uh, quite a bit of projects and infrastructure which relies on that are just stopped yeah and maybe just to add from my side if i look from you know our business perspective we kind of i think uh positioned ourselves also as a bit a disruptor into the marketing agency business mm -hmm. as we approach it differently but there are still there are a lot of uh, room for for disruption, I believe. So first of all, it also driven by this change of how you can nowadays acquire customers. So new channels, uh, you know, uh, appearing, uh, you know, the, the 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 level of engagement with customers is so high that you compete uh, on on very um, different uh, again levels of engagement and communication. So. Um, there are still of you know probably new ways of uh, building uh, leads and building business uh, through these new channels and that is where i can tell you that currently we uh, we are just learning but if somebody already would be ready to come and say hey i have a solution how to bring your you know new revenue 
you know, in that and that terms. So that probably would be very uh, attractive for many companies, including SaaS or any, anyone else. And uh, for us, it would be uh, not easy to to probably catch up with that. But nevertheless, uh, so thank you guys for the conversation. Uh, we just started. Uh, it's it's a pity that time uh, run out and uh, we all need to go back for the, you know, to, to execute and uh, to satisfy uh, our customers. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, please uh, follow us at, uh, uh, on LinkedIn uh, by using hashtag FryTalks or just follow our company, IBD Consulting, to get some new insights and uh, information about our upcoming events. Uh, have a great uh, weekend. Yes, happy Thank holiday. you, Andrew.